0: Hey there, welcome to Radio Utopistan, to our dinner table, playground and community. We'll put you some plastic on the table today. We'll play at the beach and interconnect visionary people and bold ideas between Mexico and Germany. Episode number 9. Happy you tuned in. Thank you for listening. We'll follow on some Utopistas in the Caribbean, some utopian minds there. And talk to a scientist who is exploring the cold, cold North Sea and the Atlantic. Come along with us, treasure hunting, plastic hunting today. My name is Elisabeth Weitz. I'm a journalist, mainly working on the topics of resources and radicalism. About a year ago now, we started Radio 2 with some friends. Oh There were all those bad news and we wanted to hear and tell some hopeful stories for a change. Check out the stories we found so far about solar energy and women power in gaza for example or about respectful communication on social media or about dealing with taliban in pakistan and if you like them you know sharing is caring thank you same with this utopia here today we deal with plastic first in the caribbean I had the incredible opportunity to spend the first few months of this year in the Caribbean. Here we are in front of a cafe in Playa del Carmen, south of Cancun. Outdoor restaurants, cafes, bars are open. People wear masks on the street and cool hipster faces with sunglasses at the tables. Playa is a tourism hotspot. Anyhow and especially this year with the pandemic and not many other places left to go in the world. And tourism as well as the pandemic, or better, us humans trying to deal with this pandemic, both are huge sources of plastic production. And we all know there is too much in this world already. It's everywhere. We even breathe it in and consume it with our food. Numbers and examples you can find everywhere. Some also on our social media if you want. In Playa del Carmen, I met a group who wants to do something about all those high numbers on how our plastic production is destroying the environment at sea and on the land. So every Sunday morning at 7 a.m., yes, right, Sunday morning at 7 a.m., they meet at several beaches along the Riviera Maya, the Caribbean coast south of Cancún, and collect trash on the beaches and in the water. They call themselves snorkeling for trash. You can also find them on social media. Snorkeling for trash, the four is a number. I went with them one morning, also picked up some plastic bags, plastic bottles, plastic cutlery, plastic, plastic, plastic and small pieces of whatever things they were before the current crushed them. We were a group of about 10. At the same time, there were other people at other beaches collecting trash. Antonio founded the group in Playa del Carmen about a year ago. He loves telling the story of the first time he went snorkeling for trash and almost drowned in the waters because of a sudden heavy rain. But he saved the ocean from some plastic that day and since then he's addicted to the ritual. Almost every Sunday he's with snorkeling for trash. Like going to church. No matter how long and hard the night before was. Another part of the group was, for example, La Familia, Familia Lopez, Margarita Cesar, and the little one Gerardo. Margarita told me she's mainly doing this for her son because he loves the beach and quote if we want to enjoy something we have to keep it clean and take care of it. I guess this does not only refer to beaches. Then there was a group of three friends and another guy in a funny pineapple t-shirt who got up at 4 a.m in the morning because he is living outside of Playa and had to take an early bus. We spent some three hours at the beach and collected five huge bags of plastic and half a plastic table. Afterwards, we had a huge breakfast together, chilaquiles, and later I met with Antonio and Alberto, also part of the group, on a rooftop terrace in the middle of Playa del Carmen to talk about the sense behind the Sunday morning activity. Antonio, Alberto, what is it about the plastic that makes you get out of bed at 6 a.m. on a Sunday morning?
1: It's not about the plastic. It's about what do you wanna do for this world? This world is um, the, the planet gave me everything in my life. You know, I have been in, in, in three continents. For me, it's the best experience in my life because the world is giving me something amazing, and then I want to give the world the same. So, not the world, another person, another people, the same. As I got from these countries uh, I have been, you know, the most important thing is I want my kids enjoy the, the world as I'm doing now.
0: And Alberto, why did you get up this morning at six a.m.?
2: Well, uh, I'm an open water swimmer. I'm used to swimming the city, uh, many gyms, normal swimming pools, and I I gave me opportunity of coming to playa and swim at open waters and it's pretty impacting swimming the natural place and suddenly getting in touch with the society but not with the society itself but with with the things that are left by our society like trash and it's pretty impacting For me, because swimming at open waters, it's raw, pretty raw or crude activity. And having like uh, an approach with trash, I want to swim with or in nature. And I'm getting in touch with the things that are left behind society. So it's pretty impacting and disturbing for clean mind.
0: One of the days you said this cleaning the beach also somehow cleans your mind and is some relaxing activity after a stressful week. How is that? I mean, it's collecting rubbish, it's getting out early, it's being in the sun, it's in the
1: dirt. Um, How
0: can that be relaxing?
1: I was so material person for a couple of years, but when I'm doing this, why is relaxing because. I'm doing something I like, you know, to get a better place where I'm living now is the best thing in my mind. Because you, you can get a lot of really hard time during of the week at your company, at uh, your job, you know, you, with your boss, with your partners, whatever. But when you understand the universe, the, the planet, what uh, you need to do for, for the planet is when you have to be like really clear what I'm doing, wh- why you are doing this, you know. I'm doing this because I want something for the future. It's relaxed because I'm not thinking about the job. I'm not thinking about how many people is coming with me to clean the, the, the beach. I'm thinking about like, okay, man, you ocean, you beach are connecting with me in that moment. We are one person. We are one. I don't know how to describe it. It's like we are only one piece of material. I don't know. You know. To be honest, I don't like to clean. I don't, I hate it. I hate to clean the trash, the garbage, from another person. My mind is. I want to show you. You you can't leave your garbage. You know. You can't leave here your plastic things, your beers. I want to show you, like, have to be clean. That's it.
0: Is it also relaxing for you, or is it <coughs> something else, what you are looking for in those two, three hours, Sunday morning?
2: It is definitely relaxing. The ac- The activity itself, it is by constantly cleaning. And not directly, but indirectly, you're cleaning yourself. You're, you're you're cleaning your mind because you're you're trying to comprehend why do they leave this or that there. So as you question, how does people do that? You're questioning yourself about many things, and I'm also like inspired by or because I I like to be in those places. Mm.
0: And I said you both didn't really grow up at the ocean, right? No. You you both choose the ocean as your home now. Why is that?
2: Yeah, I'm from Monterrey, Monterrey, Mexico. It's a city where it's, there was an industrial revolution. It keeps going. There's a lot of contamination. Not about trash like papers or plastic. Well, there's there's a lot of that too, but many other ways to contaminate the place where you live, where you breathe, where you think, where you dream, where you do everything, where you plan. So that has given me many thoughts about it and when I came here to Playa it's definitely Im- more impressive.
1: And you, you also didn't grow up in the
0: ocean, what does the ocean mean to you now?
1: I'm from Mexico City, one of the biggest cities in the world, you know. Um, One thing in my life list, you know, it was to live in the ocean. I got the opportunity five years ago to be in Cancun, to live in Cancun, Mexico. And then two years ago, I found an Instagram story with a friend that he, he was asking Who helps to clean the ocean, the reef in Cancun? I was more like, I don't have anything to do. I want to do something for this world. Why not? It's a good option. The first time it was so crazy. (laughs) It was really an amazing adventure. But when I understood the point of this activity, if you want to call it like that, activity, I said, like, man... I have to do it every week, as much as I can. And unfortunately, in Mexico, the culture is not a clean culture, you know. Uh, half of the people uh, left the garbage. Half of the people took it with themselves. And these, these people who comes from another countries, they don't care. They, they feel like, oh, it's Mexico. ...we can do whatever we want, you know... ...we will pay the police, the corruption... ...and we will be doing whatever we want... ...yeah, maybe, could be... ...it's stupid to think that... ...but you can't leave... ...you can't leave your garbage ...at the beach, at the cenotes, and the jungle... ...because you are doing... ...something wrong... ...like, personal is wrong, come on... ...you can't do something like that... ...because if you live, for example... In this part of the country, most of the water that you use, uh, the properties in, in your apartment, your house, whatever, is coming from the cenotes. It's coming from the underground rivers, you know. And then what happened? You will use the contaminating water because you are leaving your trash there, you know. We were talking about the, the, the cigarettes, you know, the filter. Like, one filter is contaminating 1,000 liters of water. This is crazy, you know. I smoke. And for me, it's like, oh, what can we do with this, you know? I love the ocean. I love swim. I love it. I really love it. I came here, this part of the country, because I had a job opportunity, not because I wanted it. This was like an opportunity to, to... Oh, come on, <laughs> welcome to the to welcome to mexico
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> What's that? Me when i had the opportunity to start it again with snorkeling for trash in playa de carmen with Ariane, it's another part of the of the team dulce alberto i really was so excited i said like i have to do it
0: how many sundays more or less did you already spend there now
1: when we started snorkeling for trash, this is so crazy. When we started, we were doing that on Mondays, 6 a.m. 6 till 8, because Danny, who really started this, he run to the university, and I was running to, the, to my job, you know. And then we said, like, okay, we can't be on Mondays here. We have to, like, to get more people, let's do it on weekends that's it weekends weekends how many weekends i don't know and i don't think in numbers i'm thinking about like difference that's it no numbers difference i don't care how many kilos i took from the beach i care like i'm making a difference that's it
0: and what difference is that i mean you already said that, like showing the people a good example but when you think of the numbers like what you said one cigarette is contaminating a thousand liters of water or when you think that something like 380 million tons of plastic are produced every year by us then the kilos you collect every morning i I would say for me i would say oh my god this is like a little tiny thing what difference does it make those three hours you dedicate every sunday is it really giving an effect or would it be more wise to put those three hours into something else? Like, for example, annoying the politicians, annoying Coca-Cola who are producing all that plastic. Or is it, is it not that important what kind of effect it has? We, and it's more important that you are connected to nature and giving an example.
2: Well, the, in my point of view, it's just about making a web, a connections a network uh, with people, to cultivate the culture about not making trash. Or if you make, you recollect and get rid of it the best way.
1: Let's be honest, they will never change. The big companies about plastic, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, uh, Sabritas, I don't know, many, many of them. They will never change. They will never stop to producing that. We will never stop. To consume this kind of uh, products, you know, in this part of Mexico, they are fan of Coca-Cola. They got the breakfast with the Coca-Cola. You know, the people get the breakfast, the dinner, the, the the lunch, the brunch with the Coca-Cola. You know, you are helping that company. I'm thinking about snorkeling for trash to make a culture maybe we are not making a difference because it's, it's the real thing we are not making a difference it's nothing we have a, a plastic island between two continents and then another in another continent and another in another ocean ocean sorry and then it's, you are not making a difference you are making a culture a clean culture
2: it's like trying to share a culture right sure. we're like just sharing the culture. a beach of how many beaches in the world, I don't know, maybe yeah, a thousand, now imagine a network sharing the same culture, yeah. uh, multiplying it by a thousand. So that's a lot of people. That's about creating a network.
1: Yeah. We are saying like, okay, let's don't use plastic. What can we use? Glass? Paper, glass, but the paper, where is coming? From the trees you have to recycle, you have to, yeah. Yeah.
2: You mean by the endings?
1: Yeah, you have to to use again the garbage, because if not, you're destroying the world. Everything we are doing is affecting the world. But if you know how to produce it again, you will get the point, you know, this is my thing.
0: You are saying you you don't really have any trust and faith in governments or companies that they will change, but in each and every one of us who are at the beach, who are consuming plastic and things and stuff, and this will take a long time. And when you say, like, what was that number in 2050? There will be more plastic in the ocean than fish. do we have that time?
2: I think there's personal interests here about governments, big enterprises, big companies. And the targets will never stop consuming. So my solution would be more to cultivate different kinds of cultures, like maybe different kind of thoughts about how to consume products, what to consume, what not to consume. Because, for example, what Antonio said about Coca-Cola, for me, Coca-Cola, it's poison. So I don't consume it. And Coca-Cola, it's just about the bottles of Coca-Cola, plastic bottles and the bottle taps. And that's one of the big kind of trash we're getting. It's the bottle taps, because there's a lot of consumption and what you're consuming it's really not benefiting your body at all because it doesn't contribute anything to your body
0: and if you had the chance to meet one of the bosses of coca-cola what would you tell them
2: don't sell lies oh yeah don't sell trash don't sell lies why do you sell coke do you drink coke that, that's it.
0: That's a good question to ask the Coca-Cola managers if they drink Coke, if they use their own products. Like Facebook managers don't let their kids go on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, yeah good. <laughs> um, I have three questions we ask everybody. Or do you want to add something to your cleaning story?
2: Well, it's all about that. What you mess up, just clean it and try to, to leave no track about what you messed up?
1: I think the same. Like, if you consume, you have to find a way that not affect the world. This is the point. And the most important thing, educate your kids, educate your family, your friends, your entire you know, life. If you don't see that, you can't be here. You can't be in this world. But it depends on of the, of the countries. You no, know, it depends on the people. If you don't educate your country, your people to like man, you will really destroy our paradise, it will never stop. Then you made the question like if you have the the CEO from Coca Cola they know what are they doing, you know. They know they are killing people, you know, because of the diabetes. But the most important is like Half of the plastic in the, in, in the world is from Coca-Cola, from Pepsi, from everything, you know, all of the sodas in the world. But it depends on each person to decide, like, I will consume or not. If you decide to not, you are helping the world. First, you are helping yourself to be healthy. And second, you are helping the world to do not get another plastic in the ocean. This is like the most important thing.
0: So you're taking away the responsibility from the government and from the big companies and put the responsibility to each and every one of us. And maybe I'm a bit uncomfortable with this idea because I'm from another country where we at least have a little faith that they are organizing our society in a way that it's not destroying too many in kind. of Might that be a reason why you do not have any faith in, in a system that's organizing this or that's helping with the solution, but more on each and every one of us?
2: Well, I think the governance is a pretty complicated place to be, so they're trying to struggle with The citizens' problems but about trash they leave it at a second place because it's really not that impacting Uh, it takes time that's why they don't give uh, full attention to the the subject that's why we're trying to get in control of this uh, culture or cultivating culture about having a healthy and clean place
0: I see last three questions What's your utopia? If you could dream a world, how would that look like?
2: For me, there will always be trash. So, my best alternative is to have alternatives to be able to get rid of that trash, to give that trash to conscious people who will get it reused, to be in line with our culture, to get a cleaner country, place, world.
0: What's your
1: Antonio? to give my kids the better world that's it to give the future a better world I'm so realistic this is something I have a problem but I know we can't because we are we are making a little difference not a big one we are doing like 0.0000001% you know from the job I only want that. My kids enjoy this world. That's it.
0: And do you see signs, stories, people, numbers maybe, that your utopia is coming truer and truer, that we are moving into this direction? Do you have signs somewhere?
1: I'm I'm following a couple from... She's from Germany, I think, as (laughs) you... And this guy is from Australia, and they are living in in Bali, and they cleaned one of the beach. But we started before them, you know. For sure, they have like a million followers. We have 3,000, I think, it's not really for trash, something like that. But I think this world, the people like 30s, that they have 30s, 20s, they start to, to, to see the importance of clean or uh, recycling the garbage, the products you are using, you know. I think the most important thing is when the people start to think about that, I have to make the difference. Because if I'm not doing the difference, this will never change. I don't mind how many followers, because I don't mind. But the important thing is like, you have to create an education to make the difference. If you can't do that, you are not doing you are not doing anything, anything and it's not only for trash is that?
2: Well yeah, I think our 2020 uh, has given us many insights about how maybe the world unpredictable or many things we can control and has given the governments or authorities uh, many insights about how powerful is nature. So I think I see it coming pretty soon, sooner than later, our changes about how to treat our world.
0: Right, we'll see, we'll see. What could, for example, the listeners do within the next 24 hours or the next week to support your utopia?
2: It starts by oneself. I'll try to be cleaner than yesterday. And try to share it with people by my actions, by my way of being?
1: I think, yeah, I think everything will change because we have two kids in Playa Carbon that learned something the last couple of weeks. If they are sharing the experience they have, cleaning the beach, that's it. I, I, I can be like um organic guy vegetarian vegan whatever to recycle everything i use but the most important thing you are showing the younger people that the world is from them they have to be clean they have to to get this point we are sharing this to the people to join us yeah that's nice
0: it. thank you guys
1: Thank
0: Gracias, Elizabeth. Thank you It was very interesting and chistoso también. We <laughs> <laughs> wrote a letter to Coca-Cola, how they see their responsibility in all of this. They have a commitment to recycling. The aim is to use at least 25% recycled content in plastic packaging by 2025. Their latest progress report shows they achieved not even 10%. So they want to have 25%, but they don't even have 10% now. We had six questions. Coca-Cola replied, sorry, no answers, but please have a look on our website in the sustainable packaging section. There are many beautiful pictures in this section, we can tell you, but not so much about responsibility. Coca-Cola alone is producing 3 million tons of plastic each and every year. So we wanted to get some answers from science. I talked to Mark Lenz from Geomar Institute at the Helmholtz Center for Ocean Research in northern Germany. Mark Lenz is an ocean ecologist. Since more than 20 years he is investigating ocean ecosystems on ships, boats, vessels and in the laboratory. He is the coordinator of an international research program that happens to have a partner institute in Puerto Morelos, which is very close to where we went plastic hunting in Mexico. He is also part of a research program that is investigating the mechanisms that control plastic transport to the deep sea and what ecological impact this may have. So I wanted to know what he thinks of the beach cleanups in Playa del Carmen Do they really make sense, or are they just a waste of time, plastic-wise, of course?
3: I don't think it's a waste of time. It's it's not solving a problem, definitely not. But uh, it helps a little bit, and I think the main point is that it brings people in contact with the problem. And the the solution is not to collect the plastic from the environment. The solution Mm. is to stop the introduction of plastic into the environment. But mm-hmm. people will think will only take this step if they are aware of the plastic problem. And this is what, why beach cleanups are useful. Mm-hmm. Now, d- despite it, this local effect, there is a local effect. If you clean up the beach, you have plastic-free environment for a certain time, it's, that's certainly good. But the maybe more important effect is that people get aware of the problem, that they are maybe transferring this knowledge into their everyday life and change their habits, change their Consumption behavior and so on.
0: Mm -hmm. How did your connection to plastic, um, where does it come from?
3: The the plastic litter issue was, I don't know, this is known since long, and and I have been aware of it, like everybody is. Mm -hmm. And my my special interest arose in 2008 when I read the first article about microplastics. So that was one of the very first studies that were published. It was from UK, from Richard Thompson. And he collected samples all along the British coast and found microplastics everywhere. And this was the moment when I realized, okay, we managed to pollute the planet, presumably, with a material that has not been there on beforehand. It exists since something like 60, 70 years. And um, it's now everywhere. And and we have polluted the environment with it. And this is something that is really new. It's 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 scary in a way. It would be relevant to know about the consequences. And this is this is how I started with the topic. And I already wanted to start a project. Then immediately after that. And at this time, nobody was aware of the problem. And nobody was interested to work on it. It took me then more than I think five years to convince colleagues to to start a project on that topic.
0: Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I read a little bit in your current research project, it sounds quite fascinating with uh, different countries from Europe involved. What did you find out so far and how are you working?
3: Yeah, the the main focus of HOTMIC is on the transport of plastic in the marine environment. Mm -hmm. And there is this still open question, where does all the plastic go to? So what we observe is that we Plastic is introduced into the oceans every year in very large amounts. But the amount that we see at the sea surface basically did not increase in, in the last decades, or maybe a little bit, but not, not in that, mm-hmm. to that extent that you should expect by looking at the numbers that we put into the oceans every year. Mm-hmm. And so the, the logical consequence is there must be a sink for it, mm-hmm. and uh, which should be the deep sea. I mean, the, the most obvious explanation would be that it is sinking to the deep sea. But this is just an assumption, it has never been observed, it has never been investigated. We don't know about the fluxes, the rates, the transport mechanisms. There are some theories about it, how this is mediated physically or by organisms. And and what we want to uh, contribute here is empirical knowledge about these transport ways. So vertically and horizontally, so um, away from the European continent into the North Atlantic garbage patch and then from the sea surface down to to the deep sea.
0: Mm -hmm. And what do we already know about the the current or the journey of the plastic, like for example if plastic from a German river goes into the ocean here, will, will it end up in Mexico maybe one day?
3: It's it's possible, yeah. The uh, it can travel long distances. It's very persistent, and if it gets into the uh, the global ocean, it can can be transported anywhere. Basically, it's a question of time, no? Mm. So it will presumably only be a very small fraction that ends up in Mexico, but it's it's possible. And what we see is that there is litter everywhere out there. It's very small. Most most of the litter we found is very small, very different from the. These pictures that everybody has in mind when speaking about the garbage patches, when you think about mm. an island of, of litter floating on the ocean, that is not the case. It's not what you see out mm. there. We saw very little large items or very few large items, but we saw microplastic everywhere. Mm. So in, in the middle of the Atlantic, as far, as, as far from land as you can get, there is a soup of microplastic, no? and, mm. and that's, that's what we observed. And this comes presumably from many different places actually.
0: Yeah, and when we talk about microplastic, is the microplastic, the microplastic we are also talking about when we talk about the cosmetic products or the, uh, the microplastic that's coming no from, the, so from the, the ropes or is it the, the plastic that gets um, milled
3: in the seas. Yeah. No? So the, yeah. What we saw there was, we also sampled small microplastic, but these samples still need to be analyzed because this is pretty mm-hmm. time-consuming. You need to use microscopes. You need to use spectrometers, Mm -hmm. Uh, but we also collected larger microplastics. Still microplastic, but relatively large, uh, more than a millimeter. And and this Mm -hmm. was, we found this everywhere. We we, uh, went to different places in the the North Atlantic garbage patch, but we found the microplastic everywhere. It's a very omnipresent phenomenon and. Mm -hmm. And this is fragmented microplastics, so large plastic items that get shredded, got mm-hmm. shredded in the sea by wave impact and other things. Mm-hmm. And the, the small beads from cosmetics and so on, this is a small fraction anyway. And uh, I'm not sure whether these particles will reach the open Atlantic. That, that's mm-hmm. something I don't know, but I don't think that this is the case.
0: Okay, and um, do we know where the main sources are or wh- what are the main sources for those microplastic things? It depends talking?
3: on the regions, on, on yeah. where you are on the planet. No? Um, so globally seen, the largest source are unmanaged household wastes. Mm-hmm. So no, plastic products, one-way products that uh, were consumed and were then disposed, but not properly managed so that they got into river systems or mm-hmm. directly into the sea. And then they are transported with ocean currents even to, to the middle of the ocean. No? A smaller fraction comes from shipping traffic. There is still illegal disposal of waste at sea. Now it's mm-hmm. banned since the 80s, but uh, it's still done. Then you have these container accidents when container get overboard and open up and then you have uh, lit, yeah, plastic items released no mm. uh, and uh, there are many different sources actually but the largest one is, uh, is mismanaged household waste
0: okay and can we say which kind of plastic is the most harmful plastic or is plastic just plastic and it, it depends on the amount that's then in the ocean and gets mm. shredded
3: yeah it's a good question i mean there's there are some concepts about it but what i personally think is maybe the the biggest impact of the plastic is when it is accumulating on surfaces so the seafloor in the deep sea or maybe along coastlines and when you then have folios items so which What's have large folios items like films or bags or whatever which cover a large area uh, mm-hmm. That they, I, I personally guess that they have the biggest impact because they may cut off corals from light supply, from oxygen supply. They may lay over mangrove seedlings and so on and so on. So mm-hmm. the, the pure physical presence of of uh, this material is mm-hmm. presumably changing ecosystems. Mm-hmm. And and this is mainly done by this is household waste and it's mainly bags and bottles mm-hmm. and so on. They have certainly a severe impact on coastal ecosystems and maybe also Mm. deep sea ecosystems, but we don't Mm. know it. And in general, this is still Uh, under-researched. What we know relatively well are the impacts on populations or populations of turtles or birds, where where there are known losses of animals, of individuals that get entangled in plastic or Mm. die from plastic that they swallowed. This is also dramatic. But the other eff- effect is maybe even larger because it's affecting entire ecosystems but it's mm-hmm. not very well investigated actually.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, what do we know so far about that? I mean it, this starts with the bottom of the food chain then, yeah. If you have those little tiny micro things that get into the smallest So m- no, I'm, I'm speaking of, about the
3: large plastic, not the, okay. the large items. Uh, we we know very little about the microplastics so far. Yeah. What we see is that, um, that's also what we observed here in our experiments, that the effects of microplastic are rather small, Mm -hmm. at least on the organisms that we investigated. So we worked with mussels, which Mm -hmm. are filter feeders, and they are relatively robust towards microplastics. But there were effects. It's not that they don't affect Mm -hmm. the animals at all, but there are effects, but they are rather small
0: hmm Ah, because I thought or I read things that if it gets accumulated, like if it starts at the bottom of the food chain and you have the mussels for example, that that eat it and then you get the bigger animals mm. that eat and then the further you go up the food chain, the more plastic you have in there. And it's affecting all the different uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not
3: fully convinced of this no. because it's usually not accumulating in the animals. That's mm-hmm. at least the impression that we have that you can find plastic in mussels, also in white no? but it's mm-hmm. like a snapshot. It's what they have in their stomach the moment you, you kill them. Mm-hmm. And maybe the next day they would have released it with their feces. Mm-hmm. So it's not that they accumulate the plastic. And the same presumably applies. I, I don't know. I have no empirical data about it, but mm-hmm. the, the same presumably applies to their predators. So if an eider duck is, is eating mussels, it would presumably also release the plastic with the feces.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: No, that, so the plastic will not remain in the eider duck and if then, I don't know, an orca is eating eider ducks the same will happen so it's not accumulate, presumably not accumulating across the food chain
0: Okay, and what kind of other experiments did you do to see how the microplastic is affecting the ocean ecosystem?
3: We have another. We had another experiment here at Geomar in which we exposed mussels to very low concentrations of microplastics for a very long time this has just been published it's so far the longest experiment that was ever done on microplastics mm-hmm. and this was about 42 weeks so this is the longest experiment we have and um, this also showed rather weak effects but there were effects but this also shows the the problem that we have in investigating the effects of microplastics because it's 42 weeks it's the longest experiment and a muscle lives for can live for more than 10 years Mm-hmm. And it is presumably ingesting these microplastic particles at very, very low doses throughout its entire life. And the question is, does this maybe accumulate up to effects that emerge after four years or five mm-hmm. years or whatever? No? We don't mm-hmm. know. And this is very difficult to investigate because we usually don't have projects that run that long. And the whole topic is very complex because mimicking... The natural microplastic pollution in the seas is very difficult. You have a mixture of particles that all have different shapes, different polymer types, different buoyancies, and their abundance presumably fluctuates in time. We don't know much about it, but presumably there is not a constant pollution, but a fluctuation, and and all this would needed to be mimicked in an in an experiment. It is very difficult to achieve.
0: Mm. What was the place that most affected you, or the situation with the plastic in the ocean?
3: The po- most polluted place that I've seen.
0: Yeah, or, or the place that gave you the the deepest impression of there is a big problem, and we <laughs> need to solve it.
3: Um, it it was maybe it was exactly the uh, actually the the open ocean no? when when we went out there. I was. Not really sure what to expect. It was uh, my first uh, research trip to into such an area, and I was I was shocked that there is so much plastic out there. No, small plastic, very small plastic, not not the big things that you would expect, but the small plastic, and it was everywhere. No,
0: no, small like, like, like what? Particles like a... of
3: the size, not something like uh, a couple of millimeters, yeah. like little ships of plastic that float around everywhere, no? and. And that was that was shocking. And I saw other pollu- very polluted places. I've been to Indonesia, to the Bay of Jakarta. This is a polluted area, no? but the fact that you find plastic in such amounts in such a remote system maybe has another impact on you.
0: Mm-hmm. Where do you see the, the possibilities where we as a global society can really make a difference?
3: Uh, there are many and we need to use all of them simultaneously. So one is that we need to reduce litter, then reduce the consumption of plastic as one-way products. That's, that's maybe the main problem, that we produce plastic products that are only used once and then there are waste that needs to be managed. Mm-hmm. And in many places in the world the management is missing or it's poor Mm -hmm. and that's the problem And, and plastic is not getting remineralized in the environment it's fragmenting but it's not a return to its initial compounds and so we need to to reduce the import of plastic into the environment by reducing the amount of plastic that we're using and we should other concepts are for instance Giving litter a, a value so that people do not throw it away but return it to somewhere. No mm. projects like Plastic Bank, for instance. Then we need to develop ma- waste management concepts also on in remote areas. Mm. Uh, I'm aware of a project in Indonesia where they, um, for an island system an archipelago, they, they uh, are developing a waste management system with very simple means. But it, it's already a first step, no? that you prevent the the plastic from entering the, the environment. Yeah, lots of lots of activities, lots of initiatives that uh, can help to reduce waste and improve waste management. These are the main points, I would say.
0: Mm. So mainly on the structural level, you would say, not like we as individuals, like for example cleaning up the beach yeah. and using less plastic, yes, of course, nice, but more effect would be on the structural level.
3: You mean on the level of politics?
0: On the level, yeah, politics of how, of how to organize societies. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, one very obvious aspect here in, in Germany, for instance, is that new plastic is cheaper than recycled plastic. Mm. So, if you really think about a circular economy where you recycle resources, that doesn't make mm. any sense, no. Mm. This has to do with many facts. For instance, there are no taxes on on the oil for that is used for plastic. Uh, mm-hmm. Production, and so in the end, a new plastic product is cheaper for, I don't know, a company, or whatever, than a recycled plastic product, and and so the whole thing cannot work, no. Mm-hmm. And so what we need is are some steering uh, regulations that push the economy into a more sustainable economy with a circular. Reuse of resources, no?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, in Mexico City, for example, they banned. With this year, they banned single-use plastic. And Mexico City, no. like one one of the biggest cities in the world, a mega-million city. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, you have those many street vendors that sell their uh, tortillas on the on the on the street. They they give it away in in plastic things or plastic cutlery and stuff. They they just mm-hmm. don't have anything else. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. it's you can make those laws, but then at the end there are not. Yeah, okay.
3: This is a problem with many facets actually, and it's Mm -hmm. it's very it's very difficult to grab the entire problem, no. Mm -hmm. And but there are some some major how to say that major levers that we have to change the system, and and Mm -hmm. one would be to put taxes on plastic products. I mean, this is what they're thinking about now, also within Mm -hmm. the European Union to tax plastic and make the use of plastic unattractive,
2: mm-hmm.
3: that's that's maybe the, the, the main problem is in the end that plastic is so cheap. If it wouldn't be so cheap, it wouldn't be in the environment. The same problem that we always face when it comes to um, nature conservation and these things. No? If it's uh, not in line with our economic interests, it, it gets very, very difficult. No?
0: And expensive. But just for this moment, it will get very expensive in a few years when we have to face that problem. Yeah, it's,
3: it's already expensive now, at least with regard to the plastic litter. No? The US government is spending millions year, per year to clean beaches. No? Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, we have three questions we ask everyone. Um, yeah. You want to go jump on that game. As we are Radio Utopistan, I would like to know, what is your utopia?
3: Mm, a world that is more balanced, actually, uh, between the interests of humans and aspects of ocean conservation, aspects of sustainable use of resources and protecting the climate. That's my biggest concern, actually, climate change. Uh, How this would affect us in in coming decades and centuries and and that we find uh, a quick way to encounter this problem and, and, and stop the uh, emissions. Mm.
0: Yeah. Now that's,
3: that's maybe the most pressing thing. Stop CO2 emissions as fast as possible and, and save the climate.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I have to admit that just a few years ago I wasn't even aware that plastic is also coming from fossil fuels. I just thought plastic is plastic, but there is also the connection to the fossil fuels. Yeah, plastic
3: is is a part of it. It's About 10% of the CO2 emissions of the planet are going back to plastic production, Mm -hmm. transport and, and waste management. Yeah.
0: And you were just telling me about your utopia. Do you see signs, numbers, figures, people that give you hope that we will reach that utopia one day?
3: Yeah, I mean now it's it's getting the movement is getting stronger again. We have these Fridays for Future and Cradle to Cradle and zero waste movements. But I have a little bit the impression that we are going in circles a little bit. I can remember that we we had very similar. Activities already in the 1980s, and then the whole thing got lost completely for 20 years, 30 years, and now we are again in a phase where people are more aware of these environmental problems. But we, we simply lost 30 years in during which not much happened. Now, hmm. 20 years, and and this is a pity. Actually, this is uh, a little bit frustrating to see.
0: Hmm. Why do you? But think at we the moment, lost... it, it
3: looks it looks like people are more concerned about this and. In particular, the climate issue, it becomes more and more relevant for many people. so relevant that it is also influencing elections.
0: Mm. And
3: and this this is a good sign, I would say. Mm.
0: And why do you think we lost those 30 years?
3: Because I had the impression that there were were things going on. It's not not true that nothing was going on. But the movement was, at least for my perception, stronger in in the 80s. And then the interest got lost in the nineties and the two thousand years and then since twenty ten it is re increasing again. Mm. And this I think it has to do with the economy and everything, but it's it's a pity that we lost these these years for developing strategies. Mm. There were some strategies but the whole process was relatively slow.
0: Mm. Yeah. Do you know any scientist who's working on those topics on nature who is a neoliberal? Just thinking. I neoliberal. Mean, yeah. No. If, if you if you are so involved in those topics and researching on them, can you actually be on the side of of, of yeah neoliberalism and profiting? Well, I, I don't know
3: any person uh, of who I would think that he or she is a neoliberal uh, in it's very difficult. You need to be a bit schizophrenic for this, I would say. No, because these are colliding interests. It's, it's the, that's the point. I mean, the insight is that our resources are limited. And if you think about an ever-growing economy, it, it doesn't make sense. It's not possible, no? Yeah.
0: That's, in a world uh, with limited resources, you cannot have an ever-growing economy. Yeah.
3: yeah, And this is, if, if you can combine both concepts in, in one brain, I don't know whether this is, uh, is possible. that's that's something that does not work
0: Uh Yeah. okay last question one thing or more people can do within the next 24 hours or week that would support your utopia for the
3: plastic problem what you can do immediately is you can donate to NGOs that support waste management projects in in countries like Indonesia or I don't know Asian countries, African countries Caribbean In the Caribbean, for instance, that's something you can do very immediately, supporting activities uh, in countries where the waste problem is very prominent. And this is also sustainable, I would say, if they develop concepts that can be further developed and that will remain for a long time and that establish structures and so on.
0: So, thank you for listening to episode number nine of Radio Utopistan. Hope you enjoyed it, and maybe even got some inspiration out of it. If you did, maybe somebody else from your circle would. And if you remember the plastic guys on the rooftop with the chachalaca talking about the web and spreading ideas, sharing is caring. Send it to your friends and family, to whomever who is working on their very own utopia. You help the Utopistas here and us at Radio Utopistan. Thank you. Links with numbers, names and contacts are in the show notes, as always. Radio Utopistan team for this episode are Music, Robert Pilgram. Executive Producer, Anushka Eckert. Editing Board, Christina fim and Claudia Venor. My name is Elisabeth Weid. I leave you with some Caribbean music. Bye-bye.